1: All our needs are met. Where nearly everything we could ever want is literally at our fingertips food, water, shelter, clothing. We take some things for granted. For us, they've always been there. But what if we didn't have these things? How would it affect our daily lives? It's the same with the Bible. It's our guiding light, showing us the only way to live in a right relationship with God. But what if it wasn't there? What would our lives be like without the Bible. For millions of people in the world, this is still their daily reality. There's not a single word of Scripture translated into a language they can clearly understand. That's why Wycliffe exists. At this moment, all around the world, we're working with local churches and communities to speed the light of truth to people still waiting. Because when people get the Bible in their language, they can know the life-giving truth of the good news. They can fully grasp who God is and what Jesus has done for them. They can experience the hope and transformation of God's Word. It's a movement of global proportions. And we won't stop until every person on the planet can access the Bible in a language and format they can clearly understand.
0: Since the moment Burn Hickory was established as a mission down the road and quickly became a church, one of the distinctions of this church has been its treatment, its love, and its proclamation of unashamedly the word of God. We have put it in a prominent place in our lives as well as put it in a prominent place of ministry here, and one of the ways that we've done that is through teaching it on Sunday morning. Another way is through teaching it in every single one of our age group ministries, and then a third way that we are excited today to be able to do this is by watching how God can take all of us and launch us into what that video just said, helping translate the Bible into languages that have never seen God's Word translated into. We just watched a video that showed us that the Word of God is not in every language. In fact, did you know there's 7,000 languages on this planet at this very moment? And 1,800 of those languages do not have God's Word written in their heart language. That means that if a pastor like me stood up and said, hey, let's go to Matthew chapter 1, they couldn't do that in their language. They couldn't hear it in their voice. They couldn't hear it in their mother language. So, one of the things that being missional month for us of March and our 321 serve month, and today being a missional day that we're going to do as a church, is we're going to adopt two different Bible projects in Africa. One of the projects we're adopting is the Koine people. The Koine people actually live a couple hundred miles south of where Peter lives in Nairobi, just above Mombasa. There's 150,000 of them. And over the last years, there's been a Bible project established to translate the New Testament into their language. And we have an opportunity to come behind the coiny people and finish up today the translation of the New Testament into their language. And what we're doing as a church is we want to look at you and just say this. We had a blessed year last year. Financially, and so this week, our church will be writing a check to Wycliffe Bible Translations, and we're going to finish the Bible in their language for them. And I just want to say thank you for your gifts over the last year. Uh, thank you for your ties over the last year, because these people in December of 22 will, for the first time in their history, be able to hold the Bible in their language, and it's because of you. Uh, it's because of you. We're excited about that. Now... That's what we're doing, all right? Now, secondly, we're going to come behind the people group called the Gabi people. They're on the Ivory Coast, the western coast of Africa. They're in the central Ivory Coast. And we are coming behind them, and this is where I need you guys today. We're going to come behind them, and we're going to do everything possible for them to finish the book of John. To finish the book of John, we want to translate the book of John for them. The John has the full gospel in it, has the full story of Jesus in it, has the breath of the Holy Spirit spoken into it, and we want to do that. So, Matt, how do we do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Here's how. For $30 a verse, and that's not like an info for commercial, right? For $30 a verse, uh, you can be involved. No, really, for $30 a verse, that's what it costs to translate Scripture into another language. In the front lobby of this church, in the top language, uh, in the top lobby of the church, in the kids' ministry area, there's poster boards that are already set out that have every verse in the book of John. And we want you as a family to adopt either a verse or a chapter and your family walk up to it, sign your name by a verse, scan the QR code, and with Wycliffe, you have an opportunity to tangibly put the Bible into people's language today. You can do it in the worship guide, but I just love the visual today of walking up with your family and adopting some verses today to put it into their language. Now look, we can get up here every week long, right, and go, man, we love the Word of God, and it's like, amen, but today we have a chance to put our money where our mouth is for people who have never had it. In fact, let me just pray that we can just finish this project for them. Lord Jesus, today, God, we so enjoy the Word of God that we can just fire our app up in our language or open one of the 50 copies of Scripture that we have. God, there's people across this globe that don't have that chance. God, bless this moment and increase our capacity today to finish this project for these people as well, Jesus. It's in your name we pray, amen, amen. Well, speaking of the word, if you got the word with you today, I want you to fire it up and let's go to Jonah chapter three. Jonah chapter three. I know you're looking at the clock. You're like, oh no, I should have brought a snack, right? Don't worry, all right, no worry. Uh, We're gonna be a little bit abbreviated today. It is okay, kinda, Uh, okay today. Jonah chapter three is where we're at. We're in a series called The Runaway Prophet where we've been watching the life of this prophet named Jonah, We've watched that he was a good prophet called by God to Israel, and he served faithfully until one day God said, hey, I need you to go reach this people group called the Ninevites. Nobody liked the Ninevites because they were evil. They were incredibly wicked and they were the enemies of the Israelites. But Jonah, being a good prophet, we would think that he would have done that. He would have jumped on and said, yes, Lord. But Jonah does exactly what a lot of us do when God calls us to do something that we're really not interested in. God said, or Jonah just looked at God and was like, No, right? I'm out. Don't call me. Well, he jumps on a boat to get out of the presence of God. And God said, well, joke's on you. I'm everywhere, right? I will send a storm in front of you. He showed us that he can send storms to redirect us. He showed us even in our rebellion that God is in the middle of it, redirecting us to know who he is. Well, Jonah, at the end of the day, gets thrown over the side of the boat. He gets swallowed by a well, and it takes him, just like it takes us, three more days to finally be beat down, right? To the point to where we say yes to God, and we submit to God. Last week, we finished up chapter 2 to where Jonah finally repented. And Jonah finally looked at the Lord, and we saw last week that God accepts us when we finally just look at him and go, God, I'm sorry, And I love you. Well, we jump into Jonah's life in Jonah chapter 3 this week in a post-well experience. And it's a well of a chapter. Here we go, all right? Somebody sent me that one this week. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Now stop right there because there is something there that every single one of us need to see. And aren't you glad for the second chances from God? Aren't you glad that God doesn't throw us out on the day one? Aren't you glad that when we run away from him, we walk away from him, when we hold our hand up and say no, God? Aren't you glad that we serve a God that looks into us and says, I still love you and still want you to walk with me? Look, I know there are people literally in this room right now that feel like you are so far gone. Can you come back? Jonah emphatically says yes. The love of God can bring you back. Keep going. Verse 2, it says, Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I give you. Now, if you've been studying Jonah, you have a little bit of a deja vu moment right here. Because this is the exact words that God said to Jonah in Jonah chapter 1. And here's what it's showing us about second chances. You see, God loves to give us second chances. But in our second chances, or the thing about second chances is, is that God will always bring us back to the place that we said no to him in. God will always bring us back and wants to draw us back into this spot to where we first looked at God and we held our hands up and said, God, I will never do that. Some of you have been operating in your life under the context of God made a mistake when he called you to do something. That God didn't know what he was asking when he called you to do something. And as a result, you've been trying to live faithfully out a call that he hasn't called you to go because it feels more comfortable. And what God wants you to do is to go back to the place where he called you and look at him and say that you're sorry, repent from not walking with him, and begin to walk into where he's called you. You see, God will never release you from a call until he recalls you into something else. Jonah's showing us this, and we ignore that. We think that God is wrong sometimes in what he calls us to do, but God's like, no, just give it time. I'll call you. Watch. Verse 3, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. That's the first time we've seen that out of Jonah so far, right? And went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Verse four, Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now we gotta pause right here because there's a lot going on, right? Now I need you to see this in your head just for a minute. Jonah has just been launched, literally out of the well, right? Vomited out of the well onto dry land. He has cut across the across the land. He has now entered into Nineveh, and he has walked a full day inside of Nineveh, saying one phrase on his mind. Forty more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now we mentioned last week that something would have happened to Nineveh to Jonah's skin. He was in a well with the gastric juices, the nastiness, and the heat for three days. Picture a Middle Eastern man having a little bit of a darker skin than most Anglo's in this room. Amen. Right. And now he is walking stark white, no hair on his body, bleached skin, glowing like an angelic figure through the city, saying the words, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. I think this is an incredible evangelistic effect for Jonah, right? And he has this eight-word message. And watch what happens. The Ninevites, verse 5, believed God. I love how nonchalant the Bible is sometimes. Like, yeah, the Ninevites believed. They just believed. Watch. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, the king rose to his, from his throne, took off his royal robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and he sat down in the dust. What just happened? Even the king repented and trusted Jesus. So here's the question that we have to answer from these first six verses What made the people believe? What made the people believe? To which the real answer to that question, and this is not a great pastor answer, but it's, we don't know. We honestly don't, we, we don't know what made them believe. We just know, reading the text, that God sovereignly appointed a moment in time. God ordained this moment in time and made it happen. It could have been that there were some natural events happening. It could have been the story of Jonah leaked out into the whole city. It could have been the guys in the boat rowed in front of Jonah, and when they saw him, they were like, listen to that guy right there. We're not sure, but what is clear from the text, and what I want you to see the rest of the morning that we have, which is only five minutes, right? The rest of the morning that we have is that God's spirit, catch this, took Five simple words. Matt, I thought you said it was eight. It's only five in Hebrew, right? Five words and changed the whole city of Nineveh. Five words. God made them so urgent, so important, so real that every single person repented. Watch, even the king repented. Verse 7, this is the proclamation the king issued to Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let any people or animals or herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let the people and the animals be covered with sackcloth. Do you realize what just happened here? He just drugged the poor animals into their repentance, right? But why sackcloth? It was just an outward sign of an inward just grieving heart. That's what it is. It's not some cool hemp clothes from Urban Outfitters, all right? That's not what it is, all right? Watch the turn verse eight. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Now here's the irony, right? Up until this point, the Ninevites boasted of how evil they were. How mighty, how evil, how strong, how rich. But now they are the mightiest example in all of the Old Testament of a whole city coming to know Jesus, right? Coming to know who the Lord is and turning back to God. Watch verse 9. Watch what the king says. He says, who knows? God may relent and with compassion turn from his fierce angle, anger so that we will not perish. Verse 10, when God saw, and a little, little note here, God sees, amen. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented. And he did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. But here's the question when I read this. It's it's the obvious question. Why? Why did God relent? Why would God do this? I mean, if you've been tracking with us over the last couple weeks, you have heard about how evil these people are, right? How raw these people are, how murderous these people are. Why is it that God gave them mercy? Look, if there's one point that gets missed out in the Old Testament more than probably any other point, it would have to be what we're seeing right here and we're seeing in the life of Jonah. And I want you to write this principle down. It's quite simple but profound. Here's the principle. God does not delight in judgment. He doesn't delight in judgment. He delights in mercy. He delights in mercy. Why did God do it? He does it because God doesn't delight in Judgment. Now look, I know when I say that, it blows some of your angry hearts out, right? It blows some of the angry atheist lives and worldviews into pieces. But look, God does not overflow with this with this need to cast judgment. That's not how he lives. It's not how he operates. In fact, God overflows with compassion and mercy. He doesn't delight in the death of the wicked and the evil. No, God loves and his life and his compassion is unfathomable. And that's exactly what chapter three is showing us. It's showing us that yes, we are evil and yes, we run away from God and yes, we don't deserve him and yes, we should not ever have him but God's love is a compassionate love for us and if we will just give him half a chance, people, just half a chance and turn towards him, he will graciously lavish you with his grace and mercy. He'll pour it over you. Why? Because he is a good father. He's a good father. He's a good father. Now, this chapter could take us a long time, right? I mean, it could be about four weeks, just to be honest. But here's what I want to do in this chapter. I want to show us in this chapter how God uses us in that grace and mercy, and how he uses us in his mission. There's basically four themes in the book of Jonah, right? There's there's the theme of God pursuing sinners. We've seen that in pursuing Jonah and pursuing the Ninevites and pursuing us. We've seen the kind of contrast all the times between God's heart towards sinners and our heart. He loves sinners. We would just write them off, Uh, we're we're seeing in Jonah. We see that Jonah is a small picture of who Jesus is, an incomplete picture of the Savior Jesus. But the last major theme in Jonah is that God uses us in his ministry he uses us in his plan and God bringing others to himself through us in its simplest term is the term evangelism now When I say the word evangelism, I know the air leaves the room, right? It just completely leaves the room. And I even know when I say it that some of you that don't normally come to church, you're like elbowing the person beside you saying, see, this is why I don't come to church. You guys are always trying to convert us and it's awkward, right? And it's awkward. Listen, can I just tell you if that's you and you think it's awkward because you're a lost person, it is awkward if you're a saved person too, amen? Evangelism is awkward. It is awkward. In fact, I've heard the definition of evangelism being said as two awkward people talking each other in an awkward conversation. That's exactly what evangelism is. And can I just make a confession to you? I've been in more awkward evangelism conversations than probably any of you in this room, right? Some of them have made me question my faith. They've been so awkward. I don't know which end was up at the time. But look, God uses normal people in extraordinary circumstances, and he uses awkward conversations. Hallelujah, because half of your conversations are awkward. I've heard them, right? We're Awkward people, all of us are. But there's two points in evangelism that Jonah points out here for us that I think can free you up to be part of God's mission. And here's the first one that can free you up. Number one, two evangelism truths from Jesus from Jonah. Number one, I just want you to get this. Salvation comes from the Lord. It comes from the Lord. That's a great place to say amen, because it does, right? Salvation comes from the Lord. This was was Jonah 2.9. Last week we saw it, right? It was a literal quote from Jonah 2.9. I didn't make it up. I just wrote it down from the verse, right? But here's Jonah now living out this idea that salvation comes from the Lord, And watch Jonah prove this point. It's it's an encouraging point, but I need to lead you into it to show you why Jonah is so encouraging. Because I want you to see what happens to Jonah's life right here. Watch what Jonah does and how he proves this point. Do you realize that Jonah just preached an eight-word sermon? Eight words! I can't say nothing in eight words. He just preached an eight-word sermon that, catch this, his heart wasn't even in He didn't even want these people to really get saved. We're going to see this next week. It is the oddest story in all the Bible. It wasn't even a good sermon. There was no intro. There was no closing. There was no points. There was nothing to write down in the app, right? There was nothing. There was no C.S. Lewis quote, and he didn't even tell them how to turn. He just walked through the city. He was like, you're going to perish you're going to perish. That's it. You're going to perish. I could just see him with like a little, those little A-frame boards walking through going 40 more days and you will perish. But this is so encouraging. Do you know why? Because it wasn't on Jonah. It wasn't on Jonah. God saves. God saves. Salvation comes from the Lord. He preached this eight word sermon. It's only five in Hebrew. And, he, and the people responded massively. Why? Because the Bible tells us that it is God who works in people's hearts. It's God. And it is God who brings people to repentance. Look, look at me real close. That is not something you can do. That is not something you can do. God creates the hunger. God creates the hunger molds a heart to hear the truth. God gives people faith. 1 Corinthians 12, 3. Paul says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. John 6, No one can come to me unless Jesus says, the Father who sent me draws them. Now look, I know there's a whole lot in those verses that kind of blows our mind and gets us all over the map. But here's what I want you to see. Relax. If you don't hear anything else today, Relax. Salvation don't come from you. Last time I checked, you didn't die on the cross for anybody since. Jesus did. Jesus did. I want you to see in Jonah's message here, there's so much to make us relax, and there's so much weight that is off our shoulders when we're told to talk about the gospel. It is not on you to convince someone to trust Jesus. It's not on you. God does the convincing and persuading, you do the presenting. God does it. In fact, we see this in Jonah, right? We see this in Jonah and we see this in our lives. Let me put it like this. 20 years in student ministry, let me just tell you this. I have probably seen the worst gospel presentations that you can ever see, ever. I've been on so many mission trips with people where I've stood shoulder to shoulder with a student that was so nervous. I mean, so worked up, so sweaty. And we're talking about the gospel and I'm looking at them and they're giving me that, "Mm, mm, mm, don't make me do it, don't make me do it, don't make me do it. And I'm like, oh, it's you, oh, it's you. And then all of a sudden they start talking and it's such a terrible gospel presentation I'm doubting my faith in the moment that they're talking in this and then all of a sudden they get to the end and they're like man would you like to trust Christ today and I'm telling you if I'm lying I'm dying I've literally seen people turn and go I've been waiting on this my whole life and I'm like waiting on that what in the world did you just hear I don't know what you heard, but that ain't what I heard. That was horrible. I'm taking your t-shirt, you're out, right? You're gone, you are out. But that's the point, it's God. Now that's no excuse for not learning stuff, right? But here's the deal, it's God who saves. It's God, we think it is us. We legit, now we won't say it out loud. We're good Christians, right? We think it's us, and it's not. Can, can I just tell you, even from a message, I'm doing it, I don't care. Even from a message, even from a message. sometimes I'm up here and I'm preaching. And I'm like, man, Lord, we are taking off on this one. And I mean, I'm rolling. And I think I am waxing some eloquence every now and then. And it's not normally, but every now and then. And then I'll get to the end of the message thinking, everybody in this whole building is about to repent. And it's like crickets. It's like, chirp, chirp, chirp. You guys are hitting the door like a ball game is done during the invitation. And we're gone. I mean, it's out of here. It's like me and Carrie left for the invitation there ain't nothing happening in this building right but then there's other times I'm literally up here apologizing to God because I don't even know what I'm saying anymore I've gone I've gone off the deep end I don't even know what I'm reading anymore and I'm apologizing to God because I might be leading people towards some other faith at that point point. and then after the message people are like oh my gosh God just touch me that's the point of Jonah right eight words the whole city repents Eight words, and we think it's on us. Listen, relax. It ain't on you. Let me just free you. People are not converted by your eloquence or your persuasive powers of the flesh. They're converted by the Spirit of God in your life. At the end of the day, we're not dealing with, we're not dealing with people who just need to be better people. We're dealing with spiritually dead people who need to be raised to life, and that's God. That's God, only God can do that. Jonah shows us right here. So in one sense, relax, the pressure's off, but let me bring some balance, because number two, there's balance, watch this. Salvation comes from the Lord, but number two, faith only comes by hearing the word of God. It only comes by hearing the word of God. In fact, the question of the chapter is what turned the tide for the Ninevites? What turned the tide, right? It's a trick question, so let me answer it. What turned the tide was them hearing the message of God's word. That's what turned the tide. Was God already working in Nineveh? Of course God was already working in Nineveh. Was God already supremely in control? Of course he wasn't supremely in control. But what was it that turned the city? What turned the city was a man of God stepped up, spoke the word of God into their lives. When you read scripture, you quickly realize that God's word is the, not A, is the instrument of life giving salvation into people's lives. Romans ten seventeen says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. It comes from hearing the message. When you read scripture, you see that God does this over and over because God's word is not just instruction. It's not just information. It's not just commands. Listen, the very words of God carry power in them. And when you save them and they are spoken into the ears and into the life of a person, God takes over and his sovereign plan for humanity is that you speak and he saves. You speak, he saves. You speak, he saves. We see it over and over and over and over again. In fact, I was just thinking this week about Jesus walking down and seeing the lame man on the side of the road. And Jesus spoke to the lame man, didn't he? And he said, hey, get up and walk. Walk. And what did that lame man do? He got up and walked. Why? Because that lame man all of a sudden felt he had the power in his legs to do it? No, because there was power in the words of Jesus. There's power. Now, look, I can walk by every lame person I've ever met in a wheelchair every time and go, get up and walk, and nothing happens. (laughs) Nothing. But when the Word of God does it, it changes hearts. It changes minds because that's the plan of salvation. You see, I can't tell you how many times Jesus' words in Scripture gives healing, gives power, gives salvation. So here's the point. The Word of God cannot do its work, listen to me closely, if it's not spoken into people's lives by the believers of God. It can't do its work if people don't hear it. Our role, the core of our mission that Jonah's teaching us, is to get people into the presence of God. That is our role. Look at me, this may free you up for some of you to jump off into evangelism. Our responsibility is not people's salvations. It is not. And Some of you grew up in places that you felt that responsibility. That is not your, only God can do that. But listen, our objective is to get people into the word of God. But Matt, shouldn't the goal always be salvation? Yes. But there's too much pressure to think you can save anyone. You can't save, you did not die on the cross for that person. Jesus can. God saves, we speak. And do you know that that's God's plan? I think some of us think that magically people just meet Jesus out of the blue. Here's some homework this week. Read Acts chapter eight, Acts chapter nine, and Acts chapter 10, and watch how people meet the Lord in those chapters. Man, there's a ton of miracles in those chapters. But Acts chapter 8, the eunuch, he's walking, he, he, he's riding down the road. He's reading the scriptures, right? And then all of a sudden he's got a question and what does God do? Teleports Peter over there. I mean, Philip over there, right? Philip's like, hey, you need to know how to, how to understand what you're saying? He's like, yeah. What does Phil do? He leads him to the Lord. Teaches him salvation. What about Saul? Paul, right? Knocks him off the horse. Remember that? Jesus is literally in front of him, speaking to him. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And then what does he say to Paul? It's outstanding. He says, hey, listen, why don't you go down there to Ananias' house, and he'll tell you how to be saved. (laughs) Jesus told him that. Why didn't Jesus just close the deal, right? He's Jesus. Why? Because that's not God's plan. It's for people to. Remember Cornelius? God sends an angel, says, God hears you. Remember the weirdest dream in the Bible? Sends him down to Peter's house, which is in Joppa, which is where Jonah went. Another story. Remember what he does? He leads him salvation what's the story we speak god saves we speak god saves salvation belongs to the lord faith comes from hearing the word of god two questions we're done two walkaways number one is this and here's what i want you to ask this week how can i speak the word of god in the people's lives this week man just super practical how can i What do you need to do this week to speak the word? But man, it might be awkward. It it might be. Yeah, probably. What can I do? Maybe you need to send a verse a day for the next 30 days to a friend. Maybe you need to buy a new Bible for somebody and highlight 40 verses that mean something to you. Maybe you need to give someone a list of verses with what you can see happen in your life from them. Maybe you need to invite somebody to your house to go, hey, look, I'm not a teacher. I don't know everything about the Bible, but why don't we just read this and talk about it together? What can you do? Maybe you just need to bring them to church next week. That's start. What can you do? Look, don't wait to count the win when a person trusts Jesus you count the win when you get the word of God into their lives and be encouraged, because that's your role. That's what Jonah did, right? And he didn't even want to do it. Half heartedly, he did it, and it worked. What if we did it with full hearts? Number two, how can I specifically pray for others in my life that need Jesus? And how can I pray this week? How can I lift them before the king? Listen, if salvation belongs to the Lord, reason would tell us that prayer is our biggest resource in this game. Now look, prayer doesn't excuse you from sharing the word of God. I've heard people say, well, man, I'm just a prayer warrior. That's great. Now go share the word, right? Prayer is our biggest power to prepare us for this. I, I read a quote this week. that said, if God answered at one time every prayer I prayed this week, would anyone new be born into the kingdom of God? Man, I'm telling you, that floored me this week because I'll confess to you, this is something I need to be better at. I need to be better. I get cocooned in this place, in the ivory tower, right? Man, if, if God answered every prayer, how many people would be born into the kingdom of God right now? Man, that convicted me this week. So here's the walk away and we're done. No No big invitation. But I I just feel like we need to answer who we're praying for. Who is God putting in your heart? Why? Because we're Jonah. We're Jonah. And there's a whole lot of Nineveh that's waiting on us. Lord, as we walk from this place today, Jesus... God, let us walk in your power and your spirit with repentant hearts. God, just knowing salvation belongs to you, but faith only comes by hearing the word of God. God, let us live that balance this week, Jesus. Let the gospel be ever present on our mouths. Thank you, Lord, that we trust you. and We know you for second chances for not being a wrathful God, but for being a God of compassion and love and grace. God, we ask all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, Peter's going to be in the back missions area. There's virtual reality for compassion back there as well. There's verses in the front lobby. There's verses on the app. Man, bless you guys this week as you walk in the mission of God. Christmas. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Were you inspired? Maybe you've got questions. Do you want to know more about Jesus? Then we'd love to hear from and connect with you. So take the next step with us by visiting burnthickory.com slash next. Again, thanks for listening. And hey, stay tuned by subscribing and stay up to date by downloading the Burnt Hickory app.